Hey everyone, and welcome to another installment of the Weekly Catch-Up Podcast. It's Wednesday, December 23rd, 2020, and this is the 61st episode of our humble little show. I'm your host, Carson Gibbons, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mr. B-Rad Colvin. That'd be me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Festivus. Absolutely. Happy Holidays. <laughs> to you. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's uh, twas the Wednesday before Christmas. Yeah, Happy New Year's Eve, Eve. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or Christmas Eve, Eve. I mean, we forgot to meditate before this. That's oh, why this that's is going to go awry. Yeah. <laughs> that should... means it's going to be a great episode. <laughs> okay. Um, we last recorded on the fourteenth, so a lot has transpired. Sure. You've got yeah. a lot of catching us up to do based uh, on absolutely. Some, some Facebook posts I saw this week. So yeah. uh, let's just, without further ado, you want to get into it? Yeah, man. Let's get it. It's the weekly catch up with Carson and Brad. Here to talk about the week we done had. It could be sports, religion, politics. We keeping the tabs. You would think they work for Gucci. How they deep in they bag. Get your facts up. On Wednesday, we'll be counting the stats up. So turn the volume up till it's maxed up. You know the drill. So tell a friend to tell a friend to relax up and chill. We back up. This is the weekly catch up. You're such a weirdo, dude. How like, was that? Dude, we switch off the air to, uh, you know, go into the main portion of the episode. And I'm like, should we meditate? And B-Rad goes, do you, baby? And I'm like, let's take 60. And he's like, okay. And I start to close my eyes and I see him starting to smile while he's looking over at me. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I thought we were just supposed to look at each other for 60 seconds. <laughs> no, I said it looked like you were about to just look at me. I thought we were going to be staring at each other. Okay. I thought we were going to be locking in together. <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> you feel safe in these arms. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, man. Okay, so Wednesday before Christmas. Thanks for coming over, buddy. Yeah. Good to see you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to be here. And it's, uh, the, the, I don't know. It's nice to be able to be doing something. Yeah, you've been just chilling all week, or I've been chilling all week. Um, Courtney's been off for the past couple days, so luckily I've been able to hang out with her. Um, I'll give an update on my dad. I don't even know if I said it on the podcast last week. Very um, much glossed over this whole situation. Yeah, but I, I did uh, mention that my dad was sick, so he's in the hospital with COVID. He's been there since uh, last Sunday, um, but things are looking good. You know, I I, I didn't want to come on here and um, not. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes we joke around, but like whenever it comes to my dad's health and everything or family members, friends health, um, I, I knew that I, I wanted to be able to make fun of myself in the moment. Um, but, you know, still wanted to um, keep that serious. But he's actually doing really well um, up until the past couple of days. He's had to be uh, maxed out on like the oxygen mask at like level 15. Um and over the past couple of days, like today, I talked with him and he's gone down to like level eight or whatever that means. So um, he's able to breathe much more easily on his own. Um, well, back up. So he got okay. COVID and the episode that we tried to do a day early, like the last mm -hmm. episode, actually, you'd left because he was headed into the emergency room. Right. The yeah. He told me to take him in. So. so how long has he been admitted or are we not since? Yeah. Since the. Um, for like a week and what, a half at this point. Yeah, what's today? It's Wednesday. Wednesday? So um, last Sunday, right? Not 
this past Sunday, but the Sunday before. So yeah. about a week and a half. That's serious. Yeah. And there was like, um, well, how would you attribute what what went viral? Because I know that you've been receiving a lot of outreach and you've done a post of your own. Well, yeah. So the original post, um, let me back up. So, man, when, when did I see you guys? Well, so I got this story. We recorded on a Monday, Mm -hmm. the 14th. And after the unsuccessful recording attempt on Sunday, the 13th, and we should have known the 13th. (laughs) Anyway, Dean had been admitted on that Sunday. And then I saw you that Thursday evening because Meredith had lined up uh, Indian food dinner with my parents, you, me, Courtney, and her. And it was her first time to meet Courtney, too. Yeah, which is awesome. I'm glad that they got to link up and and uh, chat for a bit. So that was really nice. Um, but that same day, earlier that day, um, I'd received word that my dad was in critical condition and that it could really go either way. Um, and about an hour after I received that news, I called up and chatted with my dad and he kind of sounded the same as he did the day before. Um, and then also talked with the nurse and they're like, no, he's, he's not in critical condition. He's getting the care that we need. We're not going to put him on a CPAP or anything like that. Like, um, he's doing well, he needs the oxygen, um, machine and everything, but, um, with him on that, his levels are fine. It's just whenever he takes it off or like during his sleep, if it falls off, then his oxygen levels were going down. But anyway, um, on Facebook, my one of my aunts um had got i i want to be able she put out a little prayer request a little (laughs) prayer request well calling for the largest prayer chain ever which i am a believer in prayer um and and i believe all that (laughs) but what let me just tell you what the post said so it was like hey i need everyone to come together and pray for my brother dean um, the biggest prayer chain ever. He's in critical condition and, um, we need him to get better. My mother, my mom doesn't need to know what it's like to lose a son. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it's like really extra now. If he he was in critical condition, then I can see like how it's like, Hey, I need to rally everybody together or anything. But since I had just gotten off the phone with the nurse and they were, they were like (laughs) all that, well, then I get a screenshot from my dad, which I didn't even know he knew how to take screenshots, to be honest. <laughs> um, but he figured it out for this one. And uh, he screenshots uh, that post from my aunt. And he's like, I'm in critical condition? <laughs> he's like, is that what they're saying? <laughs> he's like, You got what? any news from the what outside? What is going on? <laughs> he's, he's doing this in the hospital yeah, bed. <laughs> he's like, it's, yeah, exactly. And I was talking with my friends and they're like, if he's able to send a screenshot <laughs> yeah. and ask if he's in critical condition, he's not in critical condition. He's like, I'm social networking right, right. now. I'm not in critical condition. <laughs> yeah. But and then I called him. And I'm like, no, man, you're good. Uh, I think it was just some misinformation. I'm not sure what's going on, but I talked with your nurse and you're fine. Um, he's like, yeah, I was just getting on Facebook to blow off some steam, you know, <laughs> trying, to, trying to take my mind off of this whole COVID thing. And then I read that, that my mom doesn't need to know what it's like to lose a son. Dude, that's so wild. Yeah. You were telling Um, me the story. I was just cracking up because when you paid it off with the fact that he screenshotted that team and go, I'm in critical condition. Are you guys not letting me know something? Yeah. 
Um, and so that was great. That was like the first like real laugh that we had gotten since he had been in the hospital. So uh, for under those uh, circumstances, I, I appreciated that laugh. And so did my dad. But um, yeah, the past couple of days, he's been eating a lot more, getting better sleep and also being able to breathe more easily on his own. So really happy about that. He's for sure going to be there for a few more days, um, but it's looking good, he, and he should be out soon. So Well, and long story short, because of that post and the Adventist oh. virality of it, you received an outpouring from the community. Yes, most of which I appreciate. <laughs> Some of it is just like downer, like checking in on me. My dad's on his deathbed, and they're going to make sure that I'm going to be okay through all of this, and it's like, that's a little much and um well based on the information that they received right, or, or right. so i'm not i'm not faulting anyone for it. it it just you know sounds like a cluster yeah yeah um so in turn i did create my own facebook post and was like hey my dad's doing well you know but he would you know we do believe in prayer and we would like him and everything but his biggest complaint is the food right now so um <laughs> he, he's probably doing all right um and so definitely got a lot of outpouring. I had uh, different pastors from different churches check in, um, friends that I hadn't talked to since like elementary school saying, you know, that they're praying for me and everything and my dad and everything. And um, longtime listeners, Dylan Sargent and Travis Simpson. Well, Travis Simpson's a new time listener. Pew, but, pew, pew. Um, they they personally messaged me and Cynthia, longtime listener. She checked in. She was saying that she was listening to our last episode and she sent me like this long um really heartfelt message about it that made me feel a lot better too um because of your dad or right okay yeah um yeah so that was much appreciated so i you know both my dad and i do appreciate everybody reaching out but it's it's the reaching out whenever you know everybody's thinking he's on his deathbed and that he's about to take his final breath that uh gets a little uh overwhelming but overall definitely appreciate any of you that have checked in with us and um yeah, it means a lot. Well, I know he's okay because he's still LinkedIn messaging me from his deathbed. <laughs> oh, so, no. Is um, he? Yeah, no. My my parents that Thursday dinner were saying um, it's just not the same without a, a Dean, your mom's so fat joke. Oh, man. I, I told him what your dad had said. Oh, yeah. Because um, your dad was like, yeah, we need a uh, this coming week. We need a daddy so sick joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my dad was busting up at that. Well, Via LinkedIn, of course, not to divert from normal uh, communication methods here, uh, Dean <laughs> Colvin had a little gym, 3.58 p.m. timestamp. Right. He said, uh, I'll tell you a coronavirus joke now, but you'll have to wait two weeks to see if you got it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's great. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cute. So shout out to, to Dean and mm -hmm. that ever-expanding prayer chain. Are they linking hands and praying or man? I think, what's they, a chain? I think they did up at Burton. They had like a prayer circle for him, which again, appreciated. Um, Yo, prayer circles are super intimate, bro. It, like, it, like that prayer is so yeah. awkward and intimate in certain circumstances, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I guess not the time or place. <laughs> well, it's like, I have this, I have, I have these conflicting thoughts where it's like i need y'all to be more positive and not act like it's gonna take a turn for the worse because there hasn't been any evidence of that and it's like if you do believe in prayer and you do believe it's in god's hands and he's gonna take care of all this like i need y'all to talk more optimistically 
Um, and so that's been kind of eating at me. It's like so many people who I've grown up with who have taught me to trust in God and that, you know, praying and that all that works and everything. Obviously, you have to take some things into your own hands, and I get that. Um, and, and prayer doesn't hurt, but yeah, it's just like all these people who have taught me to believe that prayer works. It's like, I, I, I don't know. I need y'all to be more optimistic, to be honest. Um, there's a certain lackadaisical, um, approach to certain aspects of life that can be fostered by the saying, let go and let God. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times prayer requests, prayer request hour at my church growing up was like my stand up routine, you know, like, right. cause I would go home and roast everybody for their mm -hmm. prayer requests and just be like, you know, I'm like, man, th these people have physical maladies on a weekly basis or, you know, whatever is happening. Like the same hands go up for the microphone and it's like, is this therapy or is this like a, a prayer request? Like what's going on? But I think that there's something to the ideology of like, Hey, you are a basic sinful brute that has no intrinsic good other than what Jesus has done for you. And everything is a miracle. Like the fact that you're here is a miracle. Like there's, some of the faith aspects of that are not as reinforced as the let go, let God, where mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, hey, I found a lump, better make a prayer. You know, yeah. well, what about what about, you know, treadmill time too, sure. or, you know, better diet as well, like, mm -hmm. or maybe go check it out before you diagnose it in front of a room full of people. Yeah. And that goes back to me saying, like, I, you know, I believe in the power of prayer, but I also feel like you have to take things into your own hands sometimes. Um, but, you know, he, he's he's getting all the care that he needs, you know. Uh, I know some people, uh, I don't want to get into that, but, um, take a moment to think about it because we want to hear whatever, wherever you were about to go. Cause you're holding back on certain aspects. Well, it's of just this. like some people are sending me things like, uh, Trump received this. And so you need to make sure that your dad gets it. Uh, he needs to, he should be allowed the same care as this just take, Trump took a whole nother turn. Well, and then, you know, like the, um, Oh, uh, not what's the opposite of modern medicine? Like the, the, na the natural, um, natural remedies or yeah. Like natural remedies, like getting recipes, homeopathic. Yeah. Stuff like that. And it's like, he is in a great hospital with people who know much more about this than us. Um, so I appreciate the link from Dr. Oz, but get out of here. Dead serious. Yeah. What was Dr. Oz's recommendation? It was like a, it wasn't a COVID um, remedy. It was just a, um, to you know, a diet, a five day detox diet to help your breathing and your lungs. <laughs> He's like day one, meet Oprah. Day well, two, yeah. and I'm talking. Well, and I'm talking with Courtney, and I'm like, it's that is not a like you want your lungs to be better. That's not a five day course. That is a lifestyle. It's like you're either going to be healthy and make it your lifestyle or you're not. And that's it. Like it's not just going to be healed in five days and then you're good. Like yeah. that's my issue with it. So how many spam articles have you gotten about MAGA treatments or hydroxychloroquine, which many people are taking? I took, I took yeah, that. you took that. Yeah. And that, I, I will say, I'm sure that that really helped, but it did make me extremely dizzy. Like, yeah, I would tilt my head very slightly and I felt like I was going to topple over. Um, but yeah, uh, I've received a, a handful of those articles. Nice. Which 
and again it's this it's this duality where it's like i'm very appreciative of everybody trying to do everything that they can to help but i also want to trust the medical professionals um that they're going to take care of my dad you know yeah and, and my dad you know he's saying oh yeah like they're doing a great job the staff is awesome um and he hasn't really been having any complaints um from the staff or anything so if he's not up in arms about it and he feels like he's receiving great care and day by day he's getting a little better, then I'm going to trust that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So yeah. busy week. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So you've just been fielding, I guess, differing levels of like um, support. Uh, but when people take it into their own hands and they're trying to like give you guidance or advice, it's like, dude, I'm the son. I'm not even at the hospital. I'm socially distanced from him. Mm -hmm. We're communicating on the phone. There's all these people that went to medical school attending to him yeah. with, you know, crowd crowdsourced information in the medical community that has a global reach and access. Like it's all gravy, baby. Like he's LinkedIn roasting people, you know, <laughs> he's going to be fine. Exactly. But yeah, he even if he wasn't like, call the doctor with your recommendation like don't call the son yeah that's not doing any good right and and then i'm gonna be the annoying dude that's telling the medical professional how to do their job and it's like it's like show up with a, a casserole and shut up you know what i mean like real support <laughs> i'm not gonna say that but... because anytime i reach out to you it's it's an opportunity for you to have to think like um guilt guiltfully or guilt-ridden like oh i'm not gonna reach back out yeah. Well, and it goes back to the duality because I know me telling my dad like, hey, so-and-so checked in. They're thinking of you. They're praying for you. That lifts his spirits, right? And so I wish, um, I don't know, I kind of just wish that, hey, thinking of your dad, praying for him and kind of leave it at that and then allow me to kind of update people um, as it goes rather than, hey, has he checked out this, this, and this? Um, the one beneficial thing I think that I've received as far as like, um, something that could help him was uh, the plasma transfusion, which he's received um, two uh, dosages of or doses of those. Um, and that's something that they're they're treating with COVID patients who have but been kind of hurting. Somebody recommended that to you mm -hmm. and then you recommended it to the doctor. Right. Or, oh, really? Mm -hmm. So the chain did work. Um, that part. uh so, so somebody, we had we had originally mentioned it to the doctors and they're like, ah, we don't really do that here. There's not 100% proof that it works. And my argument is, okay, but it also has been proven to like not harm anyone. And some people have recovered from this treatment. So yeah, there's not a lot of statistics going around on it, but it, it couldn't harm him. And so I think because... He was kind of just staying stagnant. He wasn't dropping, but he also still needed like the oxygen masks and everything. Um, I I think at some, I don't I don't know if they chose to do it because of my recommending it or asking about it. This um, whole thing is kind of wild to me. Like somebody literally messaged you this. It had to have been an authority authoritative yeah, fam source. Families, okay, yeah, family. And then you shared this with the doctor staff, mm -hmm. and they took it I, into consideration and they argued with you about it. And you defended the position, and then they well, did it. No, they didn't really argue with me. I brought it up to my dad. He mentioned it to them, and they were just kind of like, uh, "We're we're not really at that point. We're not we're not doing that." Um, he then he received his five 
days of medication was still kind of staying stagnant. And then they were like, okay, we'll try this. Wild. But it's like known with, it's not like I, they weren't aware of that treatment before I had brought it up. They were aware of it. I think they just kind of wanted to let the meds run their course and then proceed from there. Okay. All right. Well, I, I appreciate you catching the tots up. I, yeah. you know, it didn't feel right or genuine to go about discussing the last week or so without, right. you know, just because it had made it onto Facebook and mm-hmm. that that's the linchpin, you know, whenever, whenever it leaks yeah. like that, um, you just never, if you want to keep that positive spirit and that, you know, best foot forward and just get through it and not have sympathy that, or, you know, concern that mm-hmm. is, undo um you have to just not say anything and i come from one of those families that like legit i mean the people in my family that get cancer you never even know it Mm -hmm. you know they show up to christmas with a wig on and well yeah and i i think both my dad and i we you know neither of us would because i was like do you want me to say anything on facebook and he's kind of like yeah but only because we had another family member that say he was in critical condition otherwise i think we would have stayed a little quiet about it. Like I had already told, you know, my close friends and everything and family and they all knew. So we had our core people praying. Um, but I think we just wanted to get the information out there that, Hey, he's not on his deathbed for, right. He's healing. He'll be all right. Um, you had to run a counter PR campaign. Yeah. Um, but he's super optimistic. He told me, he's like, Hey, I need you to bring me a a trimmer and some new clothes. Cause he's like, I'm walking out of here. I don't want to be looking like a caveman um yeah um, boy he he wants to be looking fresh so i'm gonna do that for him and um lastly really my last comments on this is like i don't want to sound ungrateful for um you know people reaching out in the prayers that's all appreciated i will say i've i we have all the home remedies now and everything so you can probably stop sending those um (laughs) and and we'll just take the prayers (laughs) (laughs) yeah call god don't call brad right yeah (laughs) Yeah, lift it up. That's wild, man. I could tell that you feel uh, put upon and over this particular situation, and I think that we can move on now. Yeah, man. That's... Like my number one priority has been my dad since he's gotten in there, and I, I yeah, I appreciate people checking in, but I'm just like, hey, I'm I'm just making sure he's good, you know. Um, so what does that do to your other plans? Because you got you're getting out of here in the next couple of days for a for wedding, my, right? For my brother's wedding, and um, that's on the 27th. So I'll actually be riding up the day of. I'm gonna wake up super early and go with my aunt Mindy, and um, she's not the one that posted on Facebook. Um, <laughs> she's um, not invited. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll be riding up with her, and then after the ceremony, we're coming right back. So it's gonna be like prayer chain brad had a devastating car crash (laughs) don't wish that upon me i'm not (laughs) making fun of your family (laughs) so does that mean that you're coming to my christmas um so i you need to let me know what time that's going on oh um, because i'm also going to meet up with courtney's family that's right all right well we can discuss that off air but yeah um yeah so i guess she's working christmas eve and day christmas eve and day and then uh, we'll be hanging out got got a nice little surprise uh she doesn't know what we're doing on new year's but um gonna hang out and um give her christmas gifts then and everything i think we're gonna do christmas on new year's eve um that's the next time that we'll hang out so that'll be fun that'll be good yeah looking forward to that yeah it's kind of the uh 
it's the end it, this just snuck up on me like the fact that it's christmas in two days bro i haven't bought a single gift yeah. or card or i just sat down and opened my text edit file this morning and just labeled out the names in bold and then just put you know dash card underneath all of them mm -hmm. and now i have to fill it in with <laughs> gifts and yeah. i'm just like behind like, that's a lot of target gift cards I've missed the uh, the Amazon delivery window as well. Like you yeah. can't get anything until mid January at this point. It doesn't yeah. seem like no, too late for that. Um, yeah, I got some Christmas shopping done this morning before I headed over here, and probably going to do some more after our recording. So yeah, I got to go get some of that done myself. Yeah, it's just been crazy with work and everything. We um, yeah, how's work going? It's uh, it's started to taper off now. Um, Q4 is coming to a close. Q4 is coming to a close. We do have a couple business days next week that I expect there to be some activity Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But I think Thursday, Friday of both of these weeks is going to be pretty, pretty tapered down. And I know that a lot of our a lot of customers in certain um, like sectors, they close between Christmas and New Year's and they don't reopen until Monday, January 4 or whatever it mm -hmm. is. So. Um, like a lot of the ad agencies, Marcom people, um, some of the professional services, but yeah, I mean, if you're on an audit or if you're in the government trying to get out these stimulus checks or, you know, make a Q4 yeah. sales goal, like for a hot new viral product, like you've been gunning for it, but we, um, we, we crossed a great milestone yesterday that gives me a lot of peace to go into the Christmas holiday, knowing that it's been a great year. Um, very excited. It's my first full complete year at uh, appreciate and really really excited about what we're accomplishing and gunning towards and we have a, a, another new team member starting on january 4 really so yeah absolutely we you know we started with i think i was employee number four or five um on the existing kind of go-to-market team and we've added multiple people since then like a product designer, uh, a sales account executive. We just hired a customer success person. And that's just exciting because, you know, this time last year when I was starting out, we didn't really have customers to succeed with. And now we have a customer success manager. So um, just to see what can happen in a, a brief year is pretty crazy. And kind of reflecting back to a year ago with the family and everything, my cousin Scott and I had organized like a big kind of, you know, cross-departmental family reunion on Christmas Day and just thinking about, you know, some of the petty things that can happen in families or little grudges or whatever occurs. And mm -hmm. it just strikes me that had we all known the year that we were, that was in store for us, maybe we would have um, treasured one another even a little bit more. Sure. Um, so. Yeah, no accurate. And this year it's going to be, I mean, I'm talking to, I ask you if you're coming to, you know, my family Christmas because I think multiple friends have been invited because everyone just seems pretty socially distanced yeah. this this uh, Christmas season. Yeah, if your family's living elsewhere, there's especially because there's no we say there's no travel. I know that they're showing like packed airports or whatever, mm -hmm. but um, the majority of my peers that I kind of talk to, you know, maybe their dad's out of state and their mom lives here, or you know, the mom and dad are down with another sibling and they yeah. can't travel, or there's just a lot of through life changes and COVID, a lot of people are going to be pretty socially distanced. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say the same for my peers. A lot of them are just chilling in the area. It's a uh, COVID Christmas. COVID Christmas. Yeah, one for the books. I think I mentioned this that 
I was a, not disappointed with my family Thanksgiving, but you know, there were certain people there that I wanted to see mm-hmm. that couldn't make it. And I'm really realizing that I was among the spoiled uh, with, with family Thanksgiving, with having, you know, 20 or 30 people there. Yeah. Um, most people just did not get that. Right. And it's just a wild holiday season on January 4, the big machine just cranks back up again. Yep. Um, you, you reckon at the beginning of next year, things going to start shutting down more or do you think it'll kind of stay the same as it has been? Uh, I don't know. I think that as winter, we just had solstice this week on the mm-hmm. 21st. Um, what is that? The shortest day of the year or something like that? I, yes. Um, winter solstice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the real beginning of winter. Yeah. I think that as things get colder and winter trudges on through March, especially, you know, dependent on what market you're in, mm-hmm. like my sister is here right now yeah. and it's like a, it's like a playground for her because <laughs> back in Virginia, DC, where she's from, you know, nothing's going on. No. Nobody's leaving the house, you know, California, I'm likely going to have to cancel my uh, Sierra and Paul um, trip next mm-hmm. week because I'm just concerned about liaising tsa and like just health officials like sure are they going to take me to a the house in in corona california and like seal the door shut or do i have to quarantine will they let me back out mm-hmm. if i had a fever like they're 98 stay at home order dang yeah that's insane um yeah our colorado ski trip for the school was canceled um that's, when was that supposed to be uh end of january Oh, so yeah. a little ways out still. Yeah. Um, the lodge that we were staying at just recommended um, recommended us not coming. So, uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, because I guess in that city that we were staying in, I can't, I can't remember. To Copper? Be Copper Mountain? Well, I think that's where we were going, but I think we were staying like maybe on the outskirts of it. Um, but they were like, yeah, we are. Uh, um, I guess there's like different levels of danger and they are like in red right now and don't anticipate it dropping before we were supposed to come so that seems crazy because with skiing you're so bundled up that your hands don't even touch anything like you're outdoors at high speeds open air you know crisp granted thin air or whatever you would call it um, elevation but at the same time, like your gloves aren't even touching your hands aren't even touching the rail of the gondola or whatever you're getting on the ski lift to go back up the mountain. I saw that uh, some of Southwest's grounded fleet were going to be used for direct flights to like Colorado ski towns for the first time. in a while. I don't know if they've done it before, but um, to get those planes in action, they I think they created new routes to some of those Colorado towns that offer skiing at the start of the season. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. COVID is like, I mean, just like I said, it's changing cinema last week. Now it's changing uh, the airlines. So you canceled it for late January. Does that mean that there's, do you have a different plan going back January 4 in terms um, of remote versus in no, person? No, because that, I mean, that was a Colorado thing, not a Texas thing. So, um, right. Yeah. I'm, so even so, I'm yeah, still asking. No, we're, we're going back. We're going back, baby. All of us have had it by now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Group uh, yeah. Herdman. T- I, I'd Herd- say like two thirds of our staff have gotten it. And a lot of our kids, I just got an email today saying that one of our girls on the basketball team got it. And so now the winter basketball tournaments are canceled. Everybody's quarantining. <laughs> so. 
yo, basketball tourney's canceled because we too sick with it. I mean, I guess. So we're chilling. We still get the winter breaks. Um, so I guess I'm kind of happy about that because Courtney took off. She was actually going to be a chaperone on the trip as well. So now we kind of just have a week to do. We still might end up going to Colorado on our own, just a different area. Uh, <laughs> Brock, if you're listening, I, I'm, I've been meaning to text you. I know that you said you might be coming down early January. That'd be cool to hang out with you and you get to actually meet Carson in person. Bro, um, he's he's coming January 6th yeah, or 10th. Yeah. yeah, I had texted him after that, um, after that nice gift that he gave us. And that's what he was saying to me as well. And so that'd be cool for us to be able to get some lunch. Um, I told him to come on the show. Yeah, exactly. Is that cool? Of course. Is he cool to come on? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) You might have to get the bleeper out. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But nothing could beat Michael like five seconds in. He's like, that was effing beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I just love that. Yeah. And he meant it like in a good way too. Oh, he felt so genuinely bad about that. Like it was, it was kind of funny to watch him ride, you know, like we're like, it's not a big deal. Brad is a garage band pro. For those bleeps yeah. um but yeah so we yeah we, we might still try to get out to colorado and everything um but we'll see where were you going where were you invoking brock because you would go skiing with him because yeah because we had, we hung out with him last time like it's we're coming up on a year um of covid right like a full year since it since like it really really reared its head right and so we were actually at we were on our way to Brock's and his wife Courtney's uh, place whenever COVID first hit, and we didn't even know if uh, we'd be able to get there because they were calling for like a state of emergency or anything and everything. So we actually drove out uh, during last winter break and got to hang out with them for a few days. And um, so yeah, Brock, <laughs> uh, not to put you on the spot on the podcast, but um, just putting feelers out there and how you're feeling uh, towards the end of this coming January. Yeah. So you're coming on the show and then we're staying at your house. And, <laughs> that's so funny. It's Brock and Courtney, Brad and Courtney. That's right. One syllable B Courtney. Yep. yep. That's wild. You two twins. <laughs> you two twin thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I tweeted him and I was like, why don't you just come on the show? And he goes like, "Ugh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, well, if you don't want to, then no, no, no. you're still coming Well, on. then he made another <laughs> reply. It's like, uh, let, let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's effing go. <laughs> oh, is that what he said? Yeah. LFG. LFG. Yeah. You can say that on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. You just can't enunciate the whole thing. Correct. Can't do it. So what's brown and rhymes with Snoop? Hoop? Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre. Okay. (laughs) He's brown and rhymes with Snoop, man. Okay. Just a joke. Dr. Dre. I was not anticipating this. Dr. Dre is brown and he rhymes or raps with Snoop Dogg. Oh. <laughs> Yo. Now you like it. Yo, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Your dad's over here LinkedIn roasting folks and yeah. yo, that are you allowed to say that joke? Is any of it untrue? Well <laughs> no, but you can get in trouble for a lot of true statements nowadays. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't mean to make this weird for you, B-Rad. Um, I'll take the risk of getting canceled. 
what what's Dr. Dre been up to? Because somebody, I think it was Schultz and uh, Akash, were talking about um, being cool in entertainment and being successful, and how like the people that shirked responsibility and were like you know too cool for school and stuff like they're not the professional ones that show up on time or early and you know really excel to new levels of fame mm -hmm. except for snoop dogg they were using him as an example of somebody that is genuinely cool yeah. in real life but also like wildly cool and massively successful and popular right and just has so much range like he he can be with any of the rappers but then he's also like doing youtube videos or a show with martha stewart you know they were saying this was kind of uh precipitated by them saying how jay-z is like the most awkward cat in the world yeah and <laughs> schultz was going like the way he talks, like he's going through adolescence, <laughs> like it's just voices cracking and all of that. And um, uh, one of the sidekick guys was just not going with that. He was not having that. No, and, J J I mean, Jay-Z's, he stays out of the spotlight. Well, because uh, somebody saw him on a jet ski with a helmet. And that really that <laughs> yeah, really rubbed them the wrong yeah. way. They were like, your your boobies could make you float in the water anyway, Jay. Like yeah. so. And I think it was Mark was just having the hardest time with that. He just couldn't couldn't deal. No, I mean, he is a legend, one of, you know, probably in my top three. Um, but as far as just like personalities, he's not cutting it. He's a nerd. Yeah, that's I mean, I think he knows that. And that's why he stays out of the limelight. Like he uh, he just sits. He lets Beyonce do all the talking, you know? Well, why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> She's the MVP. Yeah. Did you see that Schultz's uh, rant diaries got on Netflix? No. He's a. Um... I don't remember what it's called per se, but you know how during COVID he started doing his almost like last week tonight monologue with it's like the best part of all those late night shows on Comedy Central or whatever, mm -hmm. where it's just like the graphic beside him. He's on like a, a main background and he just rants for like 20, 30 minutes on okay. something. But it, it has all these like jokes interstitialed in mm -hmm. um, about, you know, relevant current topics that are happening and then, you know, joking, spoofing off of other things. Well, his four main segments of that got picked up by Netflix and is nice. So you've seen them already. Well, I, I watched one and a half, but I don't know if it's brand new content in the same format as what he was doing for YouTube mm -hmm. during COVID or what the deal was. But um, he kept saying, like, he was like, Netflix got a Schultz special. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, speaking of comedians, John Mulaney. Yeah. Yeah, checking into rehab. That was um I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised. He well, has if you know his background, clean image in some ways. Well, yeah, but dude's been drinking since he was like 13. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, he was drinking cologne. Right. Perfume. Yeah, like that's a bit of his, but it's a true it's a truthful bit. Um and then also, you know, he's talked about he he likes that booger sugar. Like, <laughs> um, so I I don't know exactly what he went in for, but um, alcohol and cocaine, according yeah. to New York Post. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'll, I'm I'm grateful that he's getting the help he needs. You know, before it take took a turn for the worse, and we just wake up to a worse headline. You know. Yeah, that's um, that's scary. But a lot of those SNL folks, you know, he was a big writer on SNL yep. for a long time. Have you read the Jost book yet? Did I get? Yeah, that to I you? need to give it back. Okay. Um, I finished it. It was great. Okay. Loved it. Yeah. I think he's referenced in that one mm -hmm. several times. And um, it's sad. I, I was kind of watching the last weekend update special and thinking like, 
you know, Colin is definitely going to leave here in the near future. I don't know how much longer we have or if that was his last show or mm -hmm. what the deal is. But when he and Shay have to trade jokes that they've written for each other for Christmas. Oh, it's great. Oh, my goodness. Did you see the Rosa Parks one? I want to say I did, but I'm not ahead. even going to repeat it. No? I mean, it, it was. Yeah, I'm not going to repeat it. It's not it's not your. <sighs> so, well, but it's written by Michael Shea, who is African-American yeah. for Colin Jost to deliver, who's the whitest towhead you've ever seen. Right. In your so life, it, it's written for him to to humiliate him correct. and to put him in a bad spot where he could get canceled. Yeah. Were it not for the fact that Michael Shea blindsided him with this. So uh -huh. they write jokes for each other that are racially, culturally, sexually insensitive. Right. And then they have to deliver that with as straight a face as possible. And so, okay, so you guys knowing all of that. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I don't want to, you know, tread, tread on any toes. But yeah. uh, Colin said this week marked the 65th anniversary of, um, you know, this this resident in this town, Rosa Parks, not giving up her seat on the bus, um, which is just proof that um, <laughs> which is <laughs> I wish we could all go back to that where you would just. If you were black, you would just sit down and shut up. <laughs> and he has to deliver this joke. Like, I, I couldn't deliver it with the same emphasis because it's just kind of awkward. Yeah. But And you don't have the card in front of you. It, it was uh, it was hilarious because Colin, of course, is just so pained to deliver this, this joke. And Michael is just rolling. Um, anyway, back to Mulaney. Did it make you think about the time that we saw him together at Majestic Theater when he was like, so, so airborne out. Yeah, he was laying on the ground. He was laying down on the stage. Makes you wonder if he was sick with what he was saying. He was sick with. I'm, he, if sounded, he was coming off a bender. He sounded like really, like congested. I don't know. I mean, it could have been a mixture of all things. Right. Like he could have been. I'm not saying he wasn't also on any of that stuff, but he did genuinely seem sick. Yeah, that was the greatest venue for comedy that I've attended thus far. It's it just incredible. my favorite. I saw Tom Segura in DC. Um, uh, actually, I think I like the Majestic more still. What venue in DC? I can't even remember the name of it. Did you go to Timonium by any chance? No. I saw Nick DiPaolo when I lived in Baltimore at Timonium Comedy House or something of that effect. And I also saw, I saw Ralphie May. Really? In downtown Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. That was... Uh, Dude, when I go through the, don't ask me about concerts. Like I've seen, um, I'm trying to think like of the concerts that I've seen, but comedy, I've seen them like a good portion of all mm -hmm. the best, you know, right. never seen Rogan probably won't cause don't, At this... don't particularly enjoy his standup, but yeah, I just not my favorite. I'm with you. I did give that Kevin Hart special a try uh, after painful. all that. Um, so and you, I, you didn't even finish it. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. I, I watched maybe seven minutes of it, yeah. but it was wild that it was in his own home. Yeah. Like those people were all spread out in his. I think it was like a excuse to show off his digs. Maybe. But yeah, the, the, that stand up. Not not that great. I think we've had better bits on this show. Yeah. Yeah. And we do it for free. Yeah. We were gearing up <laughs> for this show and I was like, hey, Brad, you ready to give the people what they don't pay for? <laughs> Free content, baby. That's right. Wearing your mother's, your sister's, your girlfriend's earlobes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> not, you, not YouTube. <laughs> Merry Christmas. We're not on their eyeballs. We can tell you that. Mm -hmm. um, Tom Cruise. Uh, COVID meltdown? Yeah. Um, do you think... I already know what you're going to... like. 
is it okay to yell at your staff like that? So I, is there video of this? There's not video because somebody was uh, pocket recording. Oh, there's uh, an audio recording. Yes. I have not heard it. Oh, it's there. Have you? Yeah. Can you mimic it for a moment? Um, l- Do not let this effing happen again. You will be fired. You will be fired. And just like going off. Um, be- I-, I guess they were getting a little lax on the COVID restrictions and Maybe people weren't wearing masks when they should be or not keeping their distance when they should be. Um, So my question to you is, is it effective to be yelling at at them like that or pull them off to the side and say, hey, like you have to follow these rules. If not, we're going to have to let you go. Hmm. I don't know, man. You're basically asking about management style. Right. And I'm three weeks into being a manager so. Um, I certainly have not taken that tact as of yet. Um, I think that, so people that work for Tom Cruise for his person, like his bodyguards, his personal assistant, you know, those people take on an, uh, an additional layer of like burden and responsibility for how trivial the, the, the request could be. Like if, if your job is to serve me, you know, then you need to serve me. I, mm-hmm. I I don't I've always personally felt like you win more flies with honey than with vinegar, okay? And it in my role where I want you to turn out the best work product possible, whether you were a designer that was on staff and you were producing art for a project that I was running and had sold mm-hmm. and got a piece of or whether you were an AE working uh, directly underneath mm-hmm. me or whatever, um it, it's it's imperative that you're on, you're in it together. Mm-hmm. I want to learn from them, you know, and I want to praise them for the the good things because the praise locks in those moments where you're excelling and yeah. you know things to repeat. And if you only get a steady digest of the negative, especially in more of a sales driven role or something like that, it can be uh, deflating. But in his case, like, I guess it's not surprising at all. Like. Oh no, not so. No, we're like Ellen's, nobody's shocked. Ellen's mean to her staff. Tom Cruise is mean to their staff. Steve like, Har- well, uh, Steve Harvey shocked me a little, but is he the late? What is this new thing that's happening? Like, it's like the first couple rape allegations of Me Too before there was a, a moniker mm-hmm. to the movement, um, a name to the the pro- the progressive movement. Right. What is this new like employer shaming for speaking at high volumes to your employees? Um, I. I can't, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Cause it starts with entertainment. Like just like it did with me too, where it mm-hmm. took a couple of like high profile people going to vanity fair or whatever, Ronan Farrow essentially. And you know, Oh, it's the system with Harvey Weinstein and this whole global movement as comes out as a result. Like the minute they start trying to pinpoint employers that have yelled at their subordinates, like we're not going to have businesses left. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't know if that's true because let's, let's look back at the me too movement. And, you know, you brought up Harvey Weinstein, and he's really one of maybe a couple people, like, I could count on one hand that actually received long-term um, repercussions over it. I well, could be wrong. Well, but uh, the narrative shifted, and the narrative was brought to the forefront, okay. I think, was one of the biggest things. I don't think yeah. that everybody was as privy as they should have been to... Um, men being forceful or um 
you know, just sexual violence, sure. different things or coercion. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, you know, uh, famous people yelling at their staff or, or being jerks like Ellen or Steve Harvey or Tom Cruise. Like, so what, they're going to take a little hiatus kind of like Ellen did, you know, let a few celebrities come and host for a bit and then come back and you know, it's all squeaky clean. That's just kind of how it seems. It's, it's kind of like, you know, I was making a joke about, you know, uh, about the Brown, the joke that I made coming back in. Um, it's it goes back to that cancel culture. It's like, okay, you care about this for a week and then we're moving on. Um, and so it's like, you use all the hashtags you want, but unless, I don't know. I just don't see any, long, is, I don't see a lot of long-term effects from any of these movements. This one, I think that we're, we're prophesying a movement that could come out of, you know, I just, now that we've seen two with or you. three or I'm four of you. these cases, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I'm so. being futuristic about it and saying like, this is how me too started. Yeah. You know, we can debate the merits of like who got prison time or whatever with me too. That narrative came to the forefront and now the employer screaming stuff or um, humiliation tactics yeah. or whatever they got Ellen, Steve Harvey, which I haven't even heard about that. We'll have to get into that in a second. All I'm saying is that it's indicative of things to come. I don't know what it's going to be called, but it's going to be funny in some ways. The thing with Tom Cruise that, that might make you pause for a second. When is your parent most likely to yell at you? Like in a moment of danger, you know, like yeah. where you, you run across the street without looking both ways and they say, Carson, don't do that. Don't ever do that because they're not trying to spare my feelings in that moment. They're trying to drive a point home yeah. for my overall well-being. If he is truly freaked out and crazed about COVID, then that might be the same tact that he's taking. And if you had gotten him the wrong dinner plate that night, mm -hmm. maybe he would have been totally understanding. Yeah. So I need to see if this was a pattern with old Tommy. Um, we all know that he's crazy when it comes to meds, modern medicine. He's a Scientologist. He had that famous incident with another Me Too guy, mm -hmm. Matt Lauer, on yeah. the Today Show about, I think, Brooke Shields being on antidepressants. Um, you know, he didn't he eat the placenta of Kate Holmes when their child was born? Like potentially, I would that would not shock me. Old boy's out there. He's a little yeah. wild. Well, Scientology, you know? baby, that's how they roll. Yeah. Um, I I will say I don't think he's wrong in what he's saying. I think there could be better ways to go about it. But my next question, because you were talking about, you know, your manage, even though you're new to it, your management skills, and you think you can get more flies with honey and all that. I want to ask you, do you believe you respond better to that as well? Like whenever somebody's managing you, what do you respond best to? Like which style? Like, does it match with how you manage? Well, that that's an interesting question and this may not answer it but it is an interesting kind of conversational tangent that managing somebody else made me realize what a bad direct report i am yeah yeah like you know my my management style and the information that i receive back like let's say that you and i hop on zoom you're a new employee and all the things that you say to me in the limited precious time that your your boss has like mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest things is like your boss is doing a billion things that you don't even know about because they're not trying to saturate your brain with things that are irrelevant for what you were brought in for you know that is evident and yeah 
it's funny because I'm thinking like I've got a billion other things like this person doesn't know I was just on this call, the historical knowledge mixed with knowledge of systems that you may or may not have access to. And it just reminds me of like, whenever I get on the line with our CEO, like I need to deliver the highlights, you know, yeah. like I need to understand what's happening. Like if I have 120 deals that are active in a pipeline, like I can't be asking you for for strategies for getting this particular person and this particular account across the finish line um you know and, and expect that you're just you've had that narrative going the same amount of time that i have and you know the ups and downs like you got to be high level with stuff you got to be efficient with time you got to give them what they need to know and um address your blockers because especially in a startup environment so much of it is self-taught and just throw yourself in there and like shadow for a couple calls and then you lead the call while I'm on it as well. And I can add color commentary if necessary, but it's definitely shown me, you know, how I should communicate with people that are above me. I think that's been one of the biggest learnings thus far yeah. and how inefficient I've been with that. You know, um, like when you reach out, it should be to schedule time for the list of questions that you weren't able to Google and answer yourself. Like that's one of the big things like, and I, I've showed my, my new person, um, I'm like, listen, I, I don't mean to be condescending about this or flippant, but when I say Google it, like I've been told that too, like, right. cause we don't know everything's moving at a billion miles an hour. And the tool that we might've plugged in to do this, it's also a startup or an emerging company that they're changing their UI around. Mm -hmm. They're going to have a different user experience. They just got a new addition to their help center and their documentation because their product is evolving based on customer feedback and iterations just like ours is right so it's like this generation of tools being built on one another and um it, it's wild like yeah I, I literally had a situation where i have access to like the, our master billing system but there's also an integration coming out for that billing system with our crm mm -hmm. and it's like well, the one-way sync got turned on. The two-way sync is about to get turned on. So I don't need to educate, you know, my people on my team about the master billing system because only the directors are going to have access to that because, and hopefully I'm going to be about to provide a much more streamlined way for you to check customers out within the system that you're already in all day. Right. But how do you explain that on a timetable and not just, because my natural inclination is like, oh yeah, don't, don't even worry about that. That's mm -hmm. not for today. Or you know, there, there's something coming out that's going to make that a lot easier for you. Focus on X, Y, and Z. But if you have a curious person, they're not going to be satisfied by that. No. So I don't know, man. Um, you know, I definitely um, think that you win more flies with honey than with vinegar. Okay. And for me, in terms of my response, it's hard to say because I've definitely received some tough love in this role. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm appreciative for that because this is the hardest I've ever worked, but it's also the most I've ever accomplished in a year. Yeah. And I think that I've been able to coast by in other roles uh, with managers that maybe I was able to finesse more or, you know, emotionally manage or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and this is very much just show me the money. This is show mm -hmm. me the cards. Yeah. And I don't know. It's a true testing ground. And for that, I'm super grateful. Um, but typically if you tell me that you're riding me hard, but also that I'm an active, you know, member of this team that is 
responsible for feeding the family. Like at one point this year, uh, a comment was made that, you know, I should look at, I should look at this job and my ability to do it. Like I have a two-year-old child screaming at home that needs diapers and formula and a future education, like work, like you have all of this stuff to protect, even if you don't at that moment. That's a good point. So, um, I think that it's also, it's a boy that cries wolf situation. And it's also, it's kind of like us not swearing on this show, us having like, you know, an hour too long conversation each week where we don't swear and we have to use other words and elevate. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a good exercise. And when we do swear, it's more emphatic in that scenario, the same way with yelling, you know, if you're known for yelling, it's like, Oh, here comes abusive abusive brad or abusive carson right but if it's like once in a blue moon over something that truly matters it's going to be a lot more effective effective yeah i i 100 i 100% agree with that same thing with praise though too i think if you heap too much like i think certain people at different roles have thought i was maybe disingenuous with some of my praise even though you know i like to tell people it's all magic to me if i'm not a subject matter expert at that like you do you and i'll i'll praise you for it right yeah, I appreciate that. What about you? Do you have you had? Oh, I respond well to tough love. <laughs> but what type of tough tough love do you experience in a teaching environment? And what did you mess up potentially or not deliver on to get the tough love? I mean, my first year of teaching, and also whenever I was in uh, Maryland, you know, I think principals coming in and observing me and talking about my styles and saying, "Hey, like you need to be aware of." you know, watching certain kids and making sure that, you know, you, you're more aware of what's going on in the classroom whenever you're looking down, reading up your book and stuff like that, you know, phrased differently. And I'm just giving one example, but, um, and also just as a student or working at Hurricane Harbor as a lifeguard, like, um, yeah, I, I've always, I, I don't know. I, I I feel like I don't take it too seriously unless they get serious about it. So like, let me know that you're serious and this is something that needs to change and I'll change it. <laughs> I'm supposed to save that drowning kid. Okay. I'll, <laughs> right, I'll do yeah. it. Since I mean, you're serious guess, about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I respond negatively interpersonally and emotionally, but I can't say that the productivity or the bottom line number that I'm supposed to deliver on Changes. suffers. Okay. You know, I'm so you're asking me, how do I respond well, are you asking from a, a feelsies perspective or what I ended up delivering for the quarter and which was more important? Well, yeah, for me, I'm saying like whenever I've I've been, you know, given a talk, like I probably have actually changed my teaching style because of it, like regardless of it made me feel a type of way or not. With a startup environment, you're always growing and going to the next level. And it's like if we prove this financial model of like, you know, acquiring a customer and converting them into a lead and converting them into a paying customer and we can retain them and you know all of these different things that basically could show hey for every dollar you put into this startup this is the value that's going to be created or this is the number of dollars of pipeline that's created with every dollar put in um you might be satisfactory mm-hmm. for the role as it currently stands but if it gets bigger you know and there's people that could be brought in above you and different things like that like it's very imperative in a startup environment. And maybe maybe you could comment on this from the, the scholastic environment, but 
I'm often reminded to check my ego at the door that, hey, this has nothing to do with Carson, the person, Carson, the son, oh, yeah. you know, Carson, the brother, anything like that. Carson, the friend, this has everything to do with like Carson as a director of sales. And really, it's more director of sales. And yeah. are you looking after the program that you're supposed to manage? So it, it it's kind of like, you know, Jordan Spieth getting down on Jordan Spieth because Jordan Spieth can no longer make a putt. It's like as a golfer, you can no longer make a putt and you're not excelling like you used to. You have to be willing to get outside of your own body and your own ego to really dissect and get better. And it's painful. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I would say uh, not even only my superiors, but also like coworkers and students, um, you know, they they can help humble you. And, and, and cause you to change as well. So, um, yeah, but no, I, I respond, I respond well to that just because I feel like I'm kind of a laid back guy and, um, not a lot bothers me. And so I, I guess I kind of need to see that, Hey, like this is bothering you. And so it's something that needs to be corrected, I guess. And again, if you are bothered every single day, you're not likely to take that with, you know, the, the same emphasis that you should if it's mm-hmm. delivered only when it's imperative. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will say, like, I feel like I can read people pretty well. Um, so it's not like I'm just being lackadaisical and and not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I want to I do want to read this uh, email from that, you know, was posted from Steve or it was leaked. It was a email sent out by Steve Harvey for the season five of recording of his talk show and so it says good morning everyone welcome back i'd like you all to review and adhere to the following notes and rules for season five of my talk show there will be no meetings in my dressing room no stopping by or popping in all caps no one do not come to my dressing room unless invited do not open my dressing room door and then all caps if you open my door expect to be removed my security team will stop everyone from standing at my door who have the intent to see or speak to me I want all the ambushing to stop now. That includes TV staff. You must schedule an appointment. I have been taken advantage of by my lenient policy in the past. This ends now. No more. Do not approach me while I'm in the makeup chair unless I ask to speak with you directly. Either knock or use the doorbell. I am seeking more free time for me throughout the day. Do not wait in any hallway to speak to me. I hate being ambushed. Please make an appointment. I promise you I will not entertain you in the hallway and do not attempt to walk with me. If you're reading this, yes, I mean you. Everyone, do not take offense to the new way of doing business. It is for the good of my personal life and enjoyment. Thank you all. I will say I am on his side. Before I, like I, before you give your thoughts or anything, I, I'm on his side. Um, I, I think as a, a famous person, you know, you always have people coming up to you. And so whenever you're getting ready, you're psyching yourself up for recording, you're about to do a show, you know, what kind of space you need to be in. And I feel like, you know, he wasn't super disrespectful in his email. There was no profanity. Uh, there was, you know, uh, extreme levels of potential condescension that could be inferred from that. Um, but there is something to be said for, Hey, this was delivered prior to the season. If you're a returning staff member, you know how to act. If you're a new staff member, you know what the protocol is so that there can be no confusion later on down the road. Um, you know, I think it's maybe he's flown too close to the sun and, uh, you know, 
it's hard because even in sales, you feel like a performer a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to go from like a really analytical, deep strategic thinking session to the production of like, you know, getting through a buying roadmap with a brand new customer and the fact that you're having to switch modes all day. But if you're a Jimmy Fallon or a Steve Harvey or any of these guys, Ellen, you know, you're the person that's going out on camera. You got to dance. You got to act like you're into it. Like there's a certain level of like mindset that you have to be in. And if somebody is uh, wrecking that for you, I I get that. Um, It sounds like it's become a pretty pervasive problem if he's had to go to these extents. So when was this put out? Um, Let me find. Is this what he's in trouble for or is he in trouble? I, I think um, I don't think he's in trouble. This was a couple years ago, so obviously he's not in trouble. Um, but it, it it's being talked about. I mean, he just was brought up in the conversation of the way that people are treating their staff like they're lesser than, and some could argue that maybe they are. There wouldn't be a show without the TV personality or whoever's running it, you know. Um, and so I can see both sides of the fence. Like I I don't want to be berated and threatened and stuff like that at the same time covid is serious uh, mental health and, and state is serious if you're you know you're prepping um the the main one that i'm kind of against is, i feel like is ellen i feel like um she doesn't have as many excuses for i guess the way that maybe she's treated her staff um because it had nothing to do with COVID or nothing to do with her needing some like personal time I think she was just kind of being a crappy individual but you know I don't know the full circumstances so maybe maybe the situation called for it I don't know I don't know I, I don't know what level of culture you're able to dictate in terms of others very minute actions and behavior in the workplace if yeah. you run the show um if you're the product then if you're the product and the CEO and all of that, then I think you have more leniency or, or mm-hmm. more ability to do stuff like that. Um, I I don't know. That, that thing with Steve Harvey is, is funny. Um, I don't know. I, all of these conversations about managing and motivating and, you know, interacting with your employees and whatnot is just reminding me of this book that I've been reading. So I have not read Die With Zero yet. It's back at the apartment. We can stop by on the way back um, if you want to take it off my hands. But I, I can. I might, I might want some reading material on my way to Arkansas, if that's all right. Okay. Well, then I can get it from you whenever you're back. But okay. I was just finishing up Mr. Schmooze, okay. which is kind of a – it's a weird, like, novel, uh, kind of like a novel blinded um, – recounting of a summer interns you know summer internship Mm -hmm. with mr schmooze who was a a high-level consultant based out of atlanta georgia and it's basically just all the things that he learned in like actual back and forth narrative format where you know mr schmooze picks me up at 7 30 a.m and we're on our way to breakfast at the ritz where we're meeting you know johnny johnny appleseed ceo of like the largest paper company in the market and just all the different things that Mr. Schmooze, Mr. Schmooze teaches you about elevating and you know winning the deal and activating the give-get cycle mm-hmm. of building stronger relationships and rating your relationships uh, based on how close you are with somebody and how much they can 
benefit your career or your shared goals. You know, there's a couple core tenets of building stronger relationships, and one is share uh, identification of shared goals or values, mm-hmm. and activating the give get recognition recognition cycle or the give get cycle of building. Like, you know, I help you move a couch, you buy me a six pack. We've built a stronger relationship. Yeah. And one of these chapters was dealing with um, how you motivate a sales team and how many resources are not allocated to sales managers, um, you know, for training and whatnot. So chapter nine of Mr. Schmooze says it's titled War Whoops from the Managers. And uh, these folks are really smart, said Schmooze. Uh, sipping coffee as he maneuvered into the shared ride lane. Most companies concentrate their training on their salespeople. Very few of them understand how important it is to also support the sales managers. Coaches need training too. Hell, we all need help from time to time. Before I knew it, we were on stage facing about 100 predominantly type A sales managers. Needless to say, their tables were filled with various soft drink products. One thing stood out, however, a book by Daniel Goleman called Emotional Intelligence had been placed on each chair. A ribbon was placed around it that read, please do not open. Mr. Schmooze sets the scene from the valet to the maitre d' to the table. And one of these chapters goes through how he threw a dinner party where every single valet knew the names of the seven guests that he was going to have that night. They knew what cars they were looking out for. They knew they were to take the car, take it back, uh, you know, behind back and detail it prior to rolling it back up at the end of the evening. Hmm. Then the maitre d' or the hostess, you know, would know exactly who she was looking for uh, with pictures and names and even an anecdote like, oh, well, right this way, Mr. Bradley. Um, I understand that your father recently had COVID. I'm so sorry to hear that. We've, we've sent a gift package to his hospital. Like that level of elevation to really build the relationship right. and differentiate. And I wanted to read you two pages from this because it, it kind of surmises um, the three things to do to motivate people. And it offers some insight on some of the stuff we've been talking about. So reading pages 84 and 85 of Mr. Schmooze, man, you people are, Mr. Schmooze is on stage and he's addressing all of these uh, sales managers for a large uh, soft drink company based out of Atlanta. So it's (laughs) Coca-Cola. Man, you people are smart. Experience a great performance. Absolutely. Positively the right answer. And why do you suppose experiencing a great performance with other people is even better than experiencing it for yourself? From the corner, someone shouted, because you can share the experience. That's right. And the reason human beings can share experiences is because feelings are contagious. And when feelings are shared, people's feelings can get stronger and stronger, even to a point of frenzy. Psychologists call this phenomenon effervescence. Think about your own hometowns. What happened in Chicago when the Bears won the Super Bowl? or in L.A. when the Lakers won the NBA championship. Man, you all talked about it for days, weeks, even months. There is enormous power in this phenomenon, enormous potential. But there is also a dark side, a mirror image we have to think about. Some of us are old enough to remember how we felt when JFK died. We all remembered how devastated we were when Challenger went down. We showed those feelings, too. You folks are managers, and by definition, that means you are leaders. As leaders, you hold enormous power. You set the tone for your people. You develop the emotional climate. Your feelings are contagious. I can't tell you how many sales managers say to me, it's a war out there. My job is to beat the hell out of my people. If they can't face me, how can they face the customer? Ladies and gentlemen, I once monitored all email for one of my consulting clients for three months, and the negative vibes coming from the command and control manager 
were devastating. Phrases flashed on one screen or the other as Mr. Schmooze spoke them aloud. You're way behind. You're not hitting your numbers. You're way off budget. Your expense report is fishy. Folks, there's a time and place for using both a stick and a carrot. There is certainly room for financial discipline and for facing production facts. But too many sales managers use bad vibes to hide their own insecurity to make sure everyone knows who's in charge. The costs to teamwork, morale, and production are incredible. Your basic job as a leader in the sales context is to invigorate and lift the spirits of your team. Remember, salespeople can work anywhere. They want to be with you because while many things may be tough on the streets or things may be tough at home, at work there is hope, pride, dignity, and optimism. These words flashed on the screen with optimism lingering in big, bold letters. Work provides good friends, good vibes, and supportive leadership. It may not be a Beatles concert. However, for the most part, the shared feelings at the office should be upbeat and optimistic. All right, folks, today we have talked about the power of emotion in the context of your world as sales managers. Let's review for a minute. The screen cut to black and up came four boxes, numbered one through four. The first box filled in right away, and Mr. Schmooze reiterated the words, laughter opens minds. This was a, a recommendation that he had to open things up with a joke because you like literally the chemicals released and the camaraderie experienced can make people more receptive to your sales pitch. This is not touchy feely stuff, he said. It is a physiological fact. A little laughter goes a long way in relaxing people, releasing favorable chemicals in their brain, and opening up the creative path pathways in people's minds. The second box was filled, and Mr. Schmooze said, Recruit optimists, and I mean real optimists. People can fake optimism and undermine the team behind the scenes. And real optimists can have bad interviews. The only way to know for sure is to test them in advance. My favorite test is called the Drive Test by a company called Sales Drive LLC. Optimists will sell better and make more money for everyone. The third box was filled. Develop the habit of winning, Mr. Schmooze said. Your job is to, is to develop winners. That means coaching, mentoring, and supporting. And get out there with them. Phil Jackson does not write a desk. He's on the court teaching in the locker room supporting. Then the last box was filled. Emotions are contagious, said Mr. Schmooze. You're a leader. Your emotions are most important to your team. If you are upbeat, your people will follow. If you're sour, your team won't stand a chance. If you enjoy acting like George Patton, beating up and scaring the devil out of your troops, showing everyone who is in charge, here's my advice. Join the army. Despite what others may have told you, selling is not warfare. It is not life or death. You know the trouble with that philosophy? It causes you to pick fights with everyone, including your customers, and you may not even know you're doing it. Don't get me wrong, it's okay to declare war on your competition, but the way to win that war is to develop positive mentoring and yes, a nurturing esprit de corps. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Which washes over into your sales meetings, your sales calls, and your customer relationships. It's funny how you can like correlate advice from a lot of different sources or, you know, find mentorship for one situation that might even be mainstream or something from something completely unrelated. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have a couple thoughts on it. First, I want to correct esprit de corps, which is a feeling of pride or fellowship. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's great. And that fits right in with kind of what we were talking about. Um, 
as far as, you know, managing or, or being the lead role in something. And I definitely think uh, whenever there's camaraderie, camaraderie, um, and a sense of fellowship and relationship, whenever you, you form something, you're obviously, um, going to be more willing to get in the trenches or work harder, um, than if it's just like a cold, robotic monotonous machine you know so i love that i think that's great thanks for sharing did you have other thoughts on that or you said that you had a couple yeah i want to hear from you like what inspired you to share that um because you had that even before uh we were about to talk you know about that right or no i i think that um it, it just points out for me how many times I've underwhelmed mm -hmm. and by underwhelming, I mean, delivered the exact status quo. Yeah. You know, I think about you're setting up a business lunch and you got there early, you know, the menus are all laid out. Everyone has a water already. Um, you know, you're going to take care of the tab. You think mm -hmm. I'm going above and beyond. Yeah. Well, not according to Mr. Smooth. Like he's like, how could you elevate this situation? How yeah. could you create a truly differentiated um, experience for somebody that you're trying to build a closer relationship with or build more, you know, mm -hmm. build more billings with or whatever. And so he, he goes to these brainstorming sessions that he has with like top key representatives for these different accounts. And he'll say, cool. So like, what's in this person's office? What matters to this person? Yeah. Not, not nine to five, mm -hmm. you know, they're corporate. They don't care about what happens. Ultimately they care yeah. about themselves. What is the personal win result that you can produce for this person? Mm -hmm and build a, a personal relationship. And they're like, well, you know, he's got a, a picture of him and his kid golfing. Great, what's his kid's name? <laughs> Brian, okay. Is Brian playing at the local school? Yeah, he's got an upcoming tournament. Great, well, why don't we set up lunch with, you know, the executive and his son, Brian, set him up on a private, you know, golf lesson before the round, after the mm -hmm. clubhouse lunch, and let's get some branded balls and then check back in after his next a tournament that we'll attend and we've got him some branded swag for yeah and you create a a scenario that really matters for that executive which is seeing his son excel and having an opportunity to go behind the ropes mm -hmm. and do all this stuff yeah well and another thing that i get from this is that you know i've talked about my teaching style and especially in the earlier episodes of, of this podcast and everything but forming that relationship with my students and being able to joke around with them. And I've talked about how whenever I was in college, you know, they told me that, um, you know, I, I'm not there to be a friend of the students, like I'm just there to teach them and how I kind of had conflicting thoughts about that. And I, I think it's because of this and forming relationships with them, I feel like they respond better to me. And they do more of what I ask because we have that relationship. And I'm not saying, uh, and, well, I will say those students that I feel like I have a uh, weaker bond with, I, I don't get as much out of them. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, that definitely resonates with me. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I love that. A lot of it just goes to basic respect levels and like, how much respect have I garnered from this person and vice versa? And kind of going back to the, you know, tough love, boss conversations, all of that stuff, like 
you're greatly aided if you genuinely respect what the boss's track record is and you don't view it as though man this person is just yelling at me all afternoon Mm -hmm. change that flip that on its head to wow this person who i'm trying to learn from who's already climbed these mountains and been there done that and is taking me on this rocket ship is trying to make me better and taking time out of their incredibly busy day to do so well that's magnified for me now that i have a direct report a hundred percent easily yeah it's it, it's all about how you, your mentality and how you're going to um or whatever opinion you form from that situation like if you're going to have a negative one and just feel like somebody's berating you and and uh not use it as a learning experience then you know you, then you probably didn't make the most out of that conversation when you have to be able to see your performance for what it is and separate yourself from it like mm-hmm. your consciousness your your personal feelings. Um, one of the things that was commented on this year uh, in a tougher love session was, you know, I'm because you you reference mental health and looking out for their overall well being yeah. earlier. And one of the things that in more of a startup environment where you have skin in the game is, I and this was this was told to me. Um, maybe I shouldn't share this, but um, I was told, and, and this is so apt. This is so true. Like I'm not responsible for your confidence or you know what makes you tick like what makes you a champion in your dna and your blood like you have to get that you're responsible you're responsible for that like you gotta figure out whether it's going out and like getting hammered or running 15 miles or whatever it is that gets you to that goggin spot where you have Mm -hmm. ultimate ownership and you're really going in on it like the buck stops with you and you don't want to have to rely on somebody else for that. Like if you're capable of doing it on your own and you can fire yourself on all cylinders, like take advantage. Like we all need to learn how to do that. We, we need to, we also need to learn how to take, uh, I'm not even going to say constructive, like criticism and take the parts of that, that we can to become a better person or better at whatever we're doing. And the rest, just let it go. Because, you know, you can have somebody yelling at you and there's nuggets of truth and in, in which you can um, help shape yourself into a more effective worker or, you know, whatever the situation calls for. But there's also a lot that you probably should just shrug off and let it roll off your shoulders, um, in my opinion. I think you just have to go back to the drawing board and say, if these are my deficient areas, this is something that I should document and measure my improvement because most bosses that are really cerebral, you know, if you've identified the issue and you're allocating resources in terms of time or budget to it Mm -hmm. and you're tracking it, it could be if it's on a scale of one to 10 and 10 being the worst, it could be a 10 this week. As long as you've identified it and by next week it's a nine, you know, are we making steady progress? Like we know that this is going to be inefficient or screwed or, you know, hard ramp up period or whatever, but are we making progress towards it? Yeah. And are you setting up systems? Most people, myself included, are not the first people to think of like, well, he's telling me that I'm bad at this thing. So maybe I should quit or like I should be in a job that only makes me do my own unique ability or you could view it as an opportunity to learn how to create a system of identifying problems, you know, tracking them and making continual improvement. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to level up to be a great in anything 
Um, one of the things that my boss has impressed upon me is like, you know, you might sell SaaS software to a particular demo, um, but it's no different than being an F1 driver or Tom Brady or, you know, fill in the blank, PGA Tour professional. Like you need to get your sleep. You need to eat. You need mm -hmm. to drink water. You need to meditate and have your have your wits about you and be grounded because you have performance time just like any other high level athlete or individual does. Yeah. So don't get it twisted that, you know, just because you're over here or whatever, that that's not the case. Yeah. You can be the best in the world at something if you really buckle down. Routine and, and self-care is very important. Um, obviously, you need to be able to roll with the punches or obstacles that come your way. But yeah, definitely trying to uh, maintain a, a routine and staying healthy is highly important. One of the greats and the, just the all-time goats of our time that transcends sport and culture and everything is none other than Mr. Tiger Woods. Yeah. And I have a confession to make. Hit me. I've never once considered abducting a child <laughs> until this last weekend. Oh, and oh, because he was posting pics with his kid, right? Because it was the PNC yeah. Championship where it's the coolest like champions tour. Like mm -hmm. once you're 50 and off of the PGA Tour, you go to the PGA Tour Champions where people like Bernard Longer and Miguel Angel uh, Jimenez and some of the greats, Lee Trevino, they're out there on a weekly basis, you know, vying for the cup. And they had this uh, father-son, father-daughter event that is like a real PGA Tour event where it's a best ball, different scramble format over a two-day period. And you'll see Matt Kuchar out there with Cameron Kuchar, his 12-year-old son. His younger son is named Carson, by the way. Ooh. You'll see Bernard Longer out there with his 36-year-old daughter, you know, putting for birdie. And this week was uh, none other than Tiger Woods's son's debut to the world. Nice. So we were aware of Charlie Woods, but Tiger's been ultra protective from a media perspective. And also, I, I think that it's less it's less culturally um, accepted if you are really hard on your kid to be a particular thing, yeah. like predestining whatever they're going to be great at or their profession. So I know that a lot of the golfers or athletes, you know, whose kid is starting to excel in that particular sport, mm -hmm. they want to be there to help and support and coach and provide guidance, but they don't want to make their kid feel like this is mandatory or right. that they have to win to get their love. And that's kind of been Tiger's situation with Charlie. Charlie is the cutest little like 11 year old kid. Mm -hmm. um, and he can hit a golf ball. Yeah. He is. I mean, he was on the green in two on par fives. He was walking putts in. He was doing these crazy draw fades that just like, it was incredible to watch. It was one of the most fun things. And to watch Tiger having fun doing it too, you were just like, oh, you know, yeah. every guy in America wanted a Charlie as mm -hmm. his kid for that weekend. But it just opened up the floodgate of speculation as to what this kid's future is going to be knowing that his grandfather's Earl and his dad is Tiger. Right. You know, he's DNA wise, he's set. It's in his blood. And it looks like with the resources and access that he has, living in Jupiter, Florida, <laughs> being Tiger Woods' kid, it's incredible what could happen here. And 
they brought in Hank Azing or um, yeah, Hank Azinger uh, at one point, one mm-hmm. of the commentators from his home uh, to the PNC Championship, and Hank said, "No, I'm sorry, Paul a- Azinger, Paul Azinger." Paul said, "It's going to be interesting to monitor the media's tracking and response of this, where." Tiger's not going to let you approach his son direct as a media person. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want him to be that young phenom that is, you know, in the media speculation and spotlight and how we treat Tiger as a result of his son showing this weekend, you know, is going to have to be measured and well thought out sure. to preserve our relationship with Tiger. And, you know, it, it was awkward at points because, you know, Tiger famously had like what, 20 women on the sign mm-hmm. and Elon, you know, Charlie's mom is on the sidelines cheering on, you know, her son and her ex-husband. Yeah. And so to have to put all of that behind them in this media spotlight and focus on their kid and shelter their kid, but not hold him back from his dreams. Mm -hmm. The whole thing was fascinating to watch. Yeah, definitely. Justin Thomas ended up winning with his dad. Oh, really? Mike. Okay. Yeah. They ended up going 25 under and taking the, uh, taking the title. (laughs) Justin Thomas is, one of the craziest phenoms on the tour and he it's been rumored that one of tiger's wins when justin was just a child he's watched like 50 times on vhs recording um he he modeled and emulated love tiger as a kid just like we all did Mm -hmm. um he's just a couple years younger than us and um now that he gets to actually play with tiger in fun practice rounds in the Ryder cup. I'm sure that's just incredible for him. He and his dad got to play with tiger and Charlie on Saturday and Charlie was uh, talking smack. <laughs> and uh, at one point left a note for them in one of the bunkers saying draw hole because <laughs> they were already lined perfectly on the green and Justin and his dad were not. Yeah. And um, so just to see that personality come through too is <laughs> I don't yeah. know, maybe this is the old man segment where I'm just like, <laughs> the young man can he he can golf, can't wait. Yeah, sky's no, the cool. limit. I like that. In the world of sports, what's happening with James Harden? Oh, he's um, trying to get dropped from the Rockets, or if he hasn't already. Did you see that expose from Tim McMahon on ESPN.com? No, he's actually based out of Dallas. I think he okay. was Dallas Morning News staff writer for a long time, but he came out and exposed how. The Rockets culture was literally all centered around James and how yeah, if man. they had multiple days off, he was going to Vegas to party mm-hmm. on a different jet and everybody accepted it. Oh, and he just got caught in a strip club. He did. Yeah. Apparently um, the season starts tonight and he was caught in the Snapchat at the strip club having yeah. Christmas. <laughs> and, I, and I think the issue for them was just that he wasn't following uh, COVID procedures. Right. There was that other guy from the bubble that went and got wings at his favorite strip club. (laughs) Dumb. Uh, Yeah. But I I don't even think Harden cares. From the outside looking in, it appears he's trying to get dropped by the Rockets uh, so much to the point where for years I've had Rockets fans on my on my Twitter timeline um, saying how much they love Harden and how he's one of the greats and everything. And even they are saying that, um, you know, he means nothing to them anymore. Um, so yeah, I think he's making it well known and, um, just being kind of a difficult person to deal with, but did I tell you that I saw none other than Rick Carlisle and Jimmy John's two doors down? Did you? (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I was like, Jim Carrey, what are you doing here? (laughs) 
he was having an issue. I don't think he'd ordered the right drink or something. Oh, and all right. anyway, I had a, a hole in my pot. I just walked in to get a, a bottled water mm -hmm. and they gave me back all this change because I'd gotten some cash out. And uh, Rick Carlisle standing right behind me, right after we'd said hello to one another, I put all the change into my pocket, which has a hole in it, and it all clanked out of the bottom of my pants. Oh, it had a literal, like, because, you know, people say that they had a hole in their wallet, like they, they just spent a lot, but you you had a literal hole. There's a literal hole in my pocket, <laughs> dear Liza. All right. Yeah, so it all clanked out, and I was like, yeah, I'm just <laughs> stupid. I can nail a three, though. <laughs> That's the second time I've seen him. I saw him at Lucky's Cafe as well. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, keeping it in basketball, Giannis, a.k.a. the Greek freak um, of the Bucks, has agreed to sign to a five-year contract extension with the Bucks on Tuesday. Uh, that deal is worth $228.2 million, making it the largest deal in NBA history. That's like Major League Baseball money right there. That's insane. That's like... It. wow yeah like i mean he's a great player i don't know if he's like 40 50 million dollars a year yeah <laughs> um i know he was a prospect for many teams and and i know at some point in the summer it seemed like even the mavs were keeping an eye on him um maybe trying to woo him to us but didn't work out and now that boy is getting paid seriously yeah wonder if you're going to be able to approach his dressing room come <laughs> come this next yeah, season. yeah maybe not um dallas cowboys won yeah, it's so stupid how they just... <laughs> Yo, are we going to win the NFC East? I don't even know enough West? about... Dude, I haven't Where watched football are? at all this season. Yeah. Um, Are we still vying for that? Like, Yeah, we're only like one game behind. I think the the Washington football team is in the lead. I think they're one win ahead of us. One of the jokes on the SNL end-of-season special this last weekend was... Uh, that the Cleveland Indians are now going to be changing their names. But how are you going to call the only five black guys in Utah the Jazz? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I like that one. Um, yeah, okay. NFC East standings. Washington is six and eight. Cowboys, Giants are five and nine, and the Eagles are four and nine. Pathetic, so man. On. Yeah. Do we have any faith in like Carson Wentz or what what's the deal with Carson Wentz? Uh, I want to say no. He won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. A couple years, well, I guess yeah. Nick Foles did. Yeah, I, I believe Carson Wentz. Some some listener can correct me, but I believe he's a laughing stock right now. Okay. For the Eagles, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. He. Oh yeah. Because he's not even starting anymore. Is he still? Hurt? He's been benched. Um. And it says uh, Carson Wentz not interested in backup role. He will leave. He will want to leave the Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles. If uh, he doesn't get that starting role. So looks like he's leaving. But where's he going to go? Nobody's going to pick him up. I don't know, man. You get a couple. You get a Dak that goes out. And then somebody beyond that goes out. And yeah. next thing you know, you're relegated to whatever. But they're looking towards the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, We've been looking forward to the future since 95. Yeah. That's very true. Um, that's all the sports, sports takes I have. Okay. Um, you got any more? <laughs> no okay um i do want to bring up taylor swift's new album this is the second album that she's released this year it's a sister album to the one that she previously released earlier and i am bringing her up just in case for some reason that's the reason our youtube algorithms are going crazy is because i mentioned a few musical artists in the past 
um, just bringing her up for, yeah. for that. Let's for try that it. Let's yeah. try it. We love exactly. you, Taylor. <laughs> yeah, we love you. Swifties. Um, I'm going to hashtag T-Swift on Twitter, and I need y'all to get this going. Scooter Braun's a mean man, Taylor. Yeah. We're with you. Screw that guy. And screw um, Jake Gyllenhaal and the other 35 yeah. men. <laughs> um, you know, phenomenal album. Should we throw out Russ? <laughs> yeah, Russ. Like, can we? No, honestly, that EP um, was probably my favorite rap project of the year between him and Benny the Butcher. Um, we got to get Malaysia back, man. I'm just yeah, I, I, I check YouTube every day just to see if something happened in my sleep that you know. Let's just throw out musical artist name. Um, Celine Dion. Yeah. Um, um, uh, Gwen Stefani. Yeah. John. She made it. She actually just released a new single. I know that's why I'm saying that. Oh, I, I don't know. Okay, yeah, it like referenced all of her old songs because nostalgia. Because nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. Is she? Did you catch Blake the fact... Shelton? Blake Shelton. Because <laughs> they're, they're married. They're together, right? They're married. Yeah. Did huh. I catch the fact that what? Uh, that she has. She's had this Vegas residency the last couple of years. Oh, really? I think. Yeah, we'll probably see her on New Year's when they for her do solo act or no doubt. Uh, for her solo act. Okay. Yeah. She's singing "Sweet Escape" and. All that good stuff. Sweetest game. Yeah. Get Akon out there. B A A N A S. Yeah. Yo, we're about to get a thousand listens. I hope so. Yeah. Maybe Malaysians are super into Gwen Stefani <laughs> and Bad Bunny. and. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bad Bunny. Good one. Good one. You welcome. You yeah. welcome. Uh, what else do you got? Because um, I could bid a Jew. Um, favorite Christmas song. Okay. This is a good topic, actually. Um. Let's let's do movie and song. Okay. Song is definitely gonna be um that Christmas song by the waitresses. Like bah humbug, but that's just me because it is my favorite uh, yeah. holiday. holiday. Yeah. That one. Okay. That like um Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, but I think I'll miss this one this year. Yeah, that's good. Or Father Christmas, where the kids are like Father Christmas, <laughs> give us some money. So you're like old. We school. got no time for your silly toys. Yeah. We'll beat you up. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, you know, I asked this question without even writing down mine. I uh, this one's like way off, and it's like a somber Christmas song. But I love um, uh, Ingrid Michaelson and Sarah Bareilles' winter song. Love, like just a beautiful, sad. Christmas on my favorite Christmas album is um, let it snow baby let it rain dear um, by Reliant K uh, love their Christmas album um, I think it's great and um, also love uh, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas you like uh, Bing or you like which rendition of that Bing, Bing or Elvis Bing yeah yeah uh, Bing is in my favorite I have two favorite Christmas movies. Um, one's serious, one's not. You know which one the not serious one is. Do I? Yeah. It's everyone's not not serious favorite Christmas movie. Oh, Die Hard. No. No. Okay. Whenever you say not, I don't, not even close. I don't think I understand what you mean by comedy. Okay. Um so like Christmas vacation? No. Christmas story? No. Elf. Elf. Okay. Elf is my favorite comedic Love Christmas it. story. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? <laughs> we could just let him commit felonies with the deranged <laughs> elf man in the park. Uh, that's great. What do we build here? Yeah. When he thinks homeboy is an elf at yeah. the, the business meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you smell like meat and cheese. 
Um, my favorite, I guess, more serious, like throwback uh, Christmas movie. Wonderful Life. Uh, no, that one's depressing as yeah. all get out. I'm a fan of White Christmas. Love White Christmas. Because um, who doesn't love them some Rosemary Clooney, baby? So I think I got a, it was either yesterday or today's Facebook memories. Nine years ago, I said, I watched White Christmas for the first time. I didn't watch it in my childhood. And I posted saying, watching this, oh, it's a great. And you said, that's a great movie. And I oh, said, wow. I said, that's why I love you, man, because you, you're a classic. You like the classic. Because you're gay. <laughs> no, I said no homo in the post, too. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was about to say I was about to say no homo on my my uh, serious one, because it's yeah. definitely about show business. And <laughs> it's all about showbiz, kid. But it was always like, um, are you a Julie guy or are you a Betty guy? Yeah. You know, and right. I was. Uh, you know, I, I was a Betty man myself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I never knew that it was George's aunt. Mm -hmm. And I have that's my man crush is yeah. George Clooney. Yeah. So um, I will say I love a Christmas vacation, Christmas story and one of the B. I got a couple of B movies that I really love, too. But I'll be home for Christmas with Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Jessica Biel. Great one. Um, and then lastly, Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> is a b movie like a hallmark where it's like it's, it, i think i just feel like at this point it's not a christmas classic so i'm calling it a b movie like nobody's really you know talking like whenever you talk about what you're going to be watching this christmas nobody really says those movies dude uh christmas movies are like the new porn <laughs> like it's like well i was gonna try to be an a-list celebrity but instead i'm doing porn or oh i'm doing hallmark like you know, she's a big city executive working for her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. And is she going to make the Christmas deadline or well, is she going to she runs into childhood friends? Yeah. yeah, we we ran into each other at the bar barn in my hometown mm -hmm. and he wants to know if I'm going to be here for Christmas. Yeah. You know, it's like, but my flight leaves in three days. <laughs> I know. Will we ever make the deadline? Yeah. Spoiler alert. She doesn't. Yeah. Well, I guess she makes the deadline, but then yeah. like, quits her job. And yeah, lives. she quits her job, and she's literally bored with this small town schmuck for the rest of her life. Yeah. That's what they would. I want to see the follow up to yeah. the Christmas re like reunion. I want to see them in like April when nothing's going on. Yeah, how's that social like, no distancing <laughs> going, Gertrude? <laughs> yeah, you still enjoying Lumberton Field, Pennsylvania, right. instead of the Big Apple? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exciting, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, the car won't start <laughs> here in Lumberton. It's all right. You only need to walk. You don't need cars there. And it's like, you don't mean, need cars in Lumberton. Meanwhile, in New York City, pull the rolls up, <laughs> Giovanni. Yeah, meanwhile, she's not getting berated by Tom Cruise anymore. <laughs> Hope it's worth it yeah. in Lumberton. It's not. You're in Lumberton Fieldville. <laughs> what was the uh, excuse town that that girl put it? Winona Ryder said in Mr. Deeds where she's like, I'm from oh. Cherry Blossom Appleton Fieldville. Yeah, like <laughs> and then he goes and finds it. Yeah, That's great. Let's highlight the, um, you know, we've had our ups and downs with YouTube this year, but let's go ahead and recognize the, the number one earner on YouTube. Who's that? Ryan Kaji. Who? Ryan Kaji. Who reviews toys? Oh, the on little YouTube, boy has been named by Forbes as the platform's highest earner in 2020. His channel, Ryan's World, has more than 12 billion views, and he earned nearly 30 million dollars in 2020. For one of my friend's kids, this this YouTube kid has his own merch, and it's like a giant egg with miscellaneous toys and prizes in it. Like you don't know what you're getting, and I got him that for his birthday because that's what he wanted. Like 
little kids are just watching this other kid open all the toys that they wish they could have. On my dad's old podcast uh, radio show on iHeart, he had a founder of a company that was like a publicist for children stars on YouTube Mm -hmm. and or it may may not have just been kids, but I remember him saying something to the effect of kids lead on YouTube like it. That's where the real money is, is like you get like a toy reviewer kid or something like that. But he had relationships where he would liaise between the YouTube creator and brands that wanted to partner with them Hmm. for game review channels and, you know, all sorts of different things that and there's people making mad money on YouTube. Yeah. Thirty million dollars just from YouTube this year. You know, see if we both have kids, we could just have them link up on YouTube, and then we're chilling. Well, I want my kid playing golf with Charlie Woods. You oh, know, right, I well, want one son in you, seven years, yeah. and I want him to be on. Yours will do golf. Mine will do YouTube, and we'll call it a day. All right, and then we can do this off of their money. <laughs> <laughs> we're like sponsored by our kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quick open another toy (laughs) dude um one of the new christmas commercials for the samsung phone is like give the gift that gets likes and it's a double entendre because people like the phone they Mm -hmm. like the gift but it's also the gift that can connect them enable you to connect to the online community and get likes and it felt so i hate that wrong to me i hate that it was very strange because yeah. it, it had children in it i just seems like that societal engineering like we all mm-hmm. watched the social dilemma this year and yeah. saw the the covid yeah, stuff and, happen and on now social you're getting media. now you're getting just heartfelt christmas commercials that are supposed to that are that are i, cha- I don't know changing your mindset I don't dude know. that was another perfect snl skit that they did they did the Alexis like winter of performance you know the winter performance event but they did it like for real and so like the wife surprise or the husband surprises the wife with a brand new Lexus with a big bow on it and she's like (laughs) how the did we get all this money for Alexis and then the neighbor pops out and he's like I thought you needed that six thousand dollars to you know make make ends meet with the house. I didn't know you were buying a Lexus. Oh, and no. He ends up being an alcoholic trying to impress his wife. Like it's hilarious. The <laughs> meltdown that, that ensues. I like that. All right, man. That's all I have for this week. Yeah. I, I, I feel like we did it justice. Uh, we gave them a little Christmas Eve, Eve treat. I might with it. Yeah. I might. It's a solid, solid one. We had some laughs. <laughs> That's about all we have. (laughs) You're the one downplaying the performance this week. I'm pretty happy with it. So this is about to go to production, baby. That's right. What up, YouTube? Swifties, hit me up. Russ, (laughs) Akon, (laughs) Big Tuck. Yeah. Um, Whatever that YouTube kid's name is. Yeah. um, Let's let's write off of the- Hey, kid, if you want to review- Let's write his coattails. Ryan Kaji, we love you. Love you, Ryan. Love the show. Yeah. Hope you enjoy the toys yeah, this Christmas let's, season. Let's get you on the pod. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll get one more of these in prior to the new year. Maybe not. Um, let, let, we'll talk maybe maybe Monday or Tuesday. All right, man. Well, uh, much continued recovery and success to your dad. Thank you. And everybody I, else alien yeah. with the vid. I want to reiterate, we definitely appreciate the prayers. And I, I hope that wasn't misconstrued um, with my talk at the top of the episode. The prayers are appreciated, and we thank you so much. To all our listeners, uh, Merry Christmas. We will catch you up after the holiday. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.